400 radio cub fans helping cub fans we're here right now at club 400 william we got another awesome cub fan here today and uh, i don't know about you but were you a big baseball uh, card collector when you were growing up you know i actually was this is a dirty little secret i don't think we've ever shared when i was 14 years old i used to work at a place called the baseball card shop oh and actually i was too young to get paid so the guy that i worked for paid me an hourly rate in cards so i could just get like whatever i wanted so i'd make eight dollars an hour or whatever in cards that's that, that that's so a pretty good crazy. payday plan yeah yeah the only thing is though i just read a story about a particular card that was kind of hot at the time we would always have collectors come in and sell their stuff to us and we'd right. buy it and then turn around and resell it and one day somebody brought in a, a mint near mint um 1968 tops set which is the year i was born i had no interest other than it was the year i was born so i actually just inherited that set left it in a box threw it under my bed didn't think anything about it about five years later another customer came in looking for the same thing and my boss was like oh one of my employees has has that exact same thing so i ended up getting like triple what i paid for it well, I come to find out now, there's only one really good card from that set. It's a Nolan Ryan rookie card, and I think the set oh. is worth like five thousand dollars now. Oh, I paid man. like seven hundred dollars for it, so That's I a, lost on that one. I mean, we all. I mean, yeah. when I collected baseball cards, I collected them for the bubble gum that was inside of them, and that was crappy bubble gum, as oh, we know. It was terrible. But prelude to our introduction, last night I was hanging out with Eric and uh, his wife Dawn, and. Um, I told her we're doing a baseball card show today, and she ripped the crap out of me. So, Don Blowney, if you're listening, this show is dedicated to you today. All right, <laughs> we're gonna make this fun because we have a great guest here. Yeah, we do. And uh, we've been wanting to get him on for a while. He, uh, we met him through Club 400. He comes to our events, and by the way, let me point out that our last event, he bought a ticket even though he couldn't come, and he donated. How cool is that? that was super cool. And that's what Club 400 is all about. Let's give it up for Paul Thompson. How you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Our pleasure. Thank you for taking time out to be with us. Yeah, this is uh, this is great, and I, I love you know Club 400. We've known each other for, I think, a couple of years ago. We met at the Cubs convention a couple of years ago at uh, Woody's winter warm-up and uh, been to a few of the events at Club 400 and now I, I check the calendar and, and hope that I can I can make each uh, each event you have. Yeah, and we are looking forward to seeing you here at Club 400 for our annual Christmas party coming up with our guest Miguel Montero, which is sold out. Sorry, everybody, but um, but Bo, let's talk about you real quick and about um, you know your Cubdomness. How did you become a Cub fan? And you're obviously a passionate guy. I know that from meeting you. And how how did that all come about with you? Gosh, you know, I think it was probably, I was born in 82. Um, and I, I think, you know, after the 84 season, you know, I was probably three years old, I was three years old in 85. And 
I had a babysitter who was just a, a diehard Cubs fan. And uh, he would, um, his wife was my babysitter. Her husband would read names off of the roster in 85, 86 and out of Sports Illustrated. So I, I grew up as a, as a young fan knowing Scott Sanderson and Steve Trout and of course Sandberg and, and those guys. So from a very young age, it was just kind of um, ingrained and, and I never let it go. There's so many memories of, uh, of being a kid and, and watching Cubs games on WGN and, and listening to 720 and um, just kind of growing up and, and now looking back, you know, the, the sounds of summer, um, the Cubs were a, a soundtrack of my youth with Harry Carey and Steve Stone. Do you remember the first Cubs game you went to? You know, I didn't make I grew up downstate um, a few hours away, so I didn't make it to my first Cubs game until the 2000s. Um, I think 2003, 2005 um, was my first Cubs game. It was against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and I don't really, I think Aaron Harang was pitching for the Reds. And, and I think Zambrano, Big Z, was was going for the Cubs that day. Yeah, that's awesome. And were your, uh, was your family, were they big in the baseball? Or, or did you take this on by yourself, pretty much? You pretty it? much uh, pretty much by myself. My dad became, uh, my dad was a, a gearhead and, uh, he was into mechanics and, and fixing classic cars. And I never, um, my brother inherited that gene. Um, and my dad wasn't really into sports. He would watch a game here and there. He would watch football on Sundays. Um, but he didn't get into the Cubs until retirement. Um, and then he became a diehard. He would not miss a game on TV in fact, he's, you know, he was not, uh, you know, technically sound with, with technology. So I had to set up, um, you know, I know downstate, a lot of Cubs games aren't on the air, um, with, you know, they they bounce around on different channels. So he's in the blackout zone for, for MLB, but I had to set up a second TV for him because some of the games were broadcast on a channel that was not on his direct TV. Um, they were on like the local, um, the local, um, station. So I had to set up a separate TV with an antenna so he could watch the games that weren't on, you know, the direct TV channels so he could watch the games. So that's pretty interesting. So basically, um, your dad, you know, he wasn't a big baseball fan, but he saw that you were, and then he kind of picked up on that because of your love for the base Cubs baseball. And then that probably bonded you guys together a little bit, I'm sure. It did. And, uh, you know, he passed away um, just two months before the the World Series. And, you know, that was kind of one of he was battling cancer um, during that 2016 season. So I would try to make it down and, and we would watch games as much as possible. And, you know, he said he was he's going to fight this thing. He's going to beat it because he wants to see the Cubs win the World Series. And um, unfortunately, he, he came just a couple months shy of of, uh, you know, that that awesome win over the Indians. So that makes it an even extra special season, I think, for you emotionally and all of that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and just, you know, even though he wasn't there for the World Series, he was able to see, you know, up until the end of August, he was able to see how special uh, that 2016 club really was. Well, let's face it, he had the best seat in the house. He was sitting right over Cleveland Stadium watching down on it. So Absolutely. So uh, game seven, what did that mean to you, the Cubs winning the World Series? Is that uh, 
I mean, tell us about that evening, where you were, what you did, and uh, your thoughts. And your since the Cubs won the World Series, how has it changed you as a Cub fan at all? You know, it it hasn't changed me at all. It's it's now it's you know even two years later, it's still on. You know, it's still it seems surreal that it actually happened after that. You know, getting getting close a few times in your lifetime, you know, 84 and, and, uh, 2003. And then it finally happens. It's, you know, even now it's still, it's like, wow, that, that actually happened. And the funny thing was game six and game seven of the world series. Um, my wife, my now wife, um, her and I got engaged that summer. So 2016 was a, you know, a very emotional roller coaster of a year. Um, so we were engaged in July of, of 2016 we were going through wedding planning um, in October, um, and for Game Six, it was our tasting um, for our, at the venue that we we got married. So I skipped our wedding tasting <laughs> to stay home and watch Game Six, and wow. Game Seven fell on my mother-in-law's birthday, and they went out for a family dinner, and I'm like. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll I'll never miss another one. And the wedding I can't still miss happened. Game that's, seven. And the wedding still happened. That's fantastic. That's classic. <laughs> love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, the people that are obviously listening to this podcast love baseball. They wouldn't be listening to it in the first place. But uh, yeah, sometimes I'm like, don't you know? How could anybody plan anything when the World <laughs> Series is going on? I th- right, even right. when there's a big Cubs game, I'm like, wh- what are they thinking? There's a big game against the Cardinals on Saturday. What are they going to this place for? I mean, I, it amazes me, you know? I guess that's I, when you're sick like I am, you know? I laugh at that right. movie that was about the Boston Red Sox with Jimmy Fever Taylor, Pitch, one Fever of my Pitch, favorite movies. And how they were, like, she was going to, she had a uh, work trip to take them to Europe or something like that. And he goes right to the schedule and is like, oh, but the angels are in town or something like that. <laughs> like, it was too big of a series to go to Europe for the first time. That movie is classic. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? It's like, you know, I guess behind every great Cubs fan is a great, uh, you know, Cubs supportive wife, hopefully. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. And I often think that about, you know, Bears, like on Sunday. It's like, who's playing anything on a Sunday when the Bears are playing? Are they crazy? <laughs> right. You know? But, you know, I guess there is other other things than just sports i guess i know. guess i well, guess well speaking of since we all agree on that i guess yeah. um how how did you get you know involved with baseball cards i mean we all probably have our stories and if i, if I had a dollar for every like my father and everyone else that i heard oh yeah i had all these cards i had you know mickey mantle rookie cards and stuff in a box i think my mom threw them out or whatever it's like oh the pain, you know. Yeah. How'd you get started? Yeah, you know, there wasn't really I, I don't have somebody that gave me their collection or, you know, I didn't inherit anything. I think it was just a natural progression of I was a, a huge sports fan even as a, a young kid. Um, my first cards that I remember getting were from our local small town grocery store. They had packs of 1988 Donruss was the first baseball cards I remember Fle- you know, this getting. Fleer, Donruss, and Topps Top were like the, the three, right? The big three, yeah, yeah, they were the big three yeah, in the yeah, 80s. Right, and then Score came out, and then Upper Score, Deck came yep. out, and, and then it just blew up, and several think, companies came along. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bo, but I think kind of Upper Deck came in and kind of – because they were the first guy, guys to come out with like cards that were just really pretty, you know? 
Yeah, they, they changed like the game as far as yeah. a luxury brand. I agree. I remember when the, the, the first set came out, we bought like four or five complete sets, and, they, and I lost all those in, in a flood that I had in my house. I lost a lot of baseball cards uh, due to a big flood I had. But, um, yeah, I kind of wanted you to talk about, um, the, just for the listeners, because, you know, I go to these memorabilia shows all the time, and what I have noticed is because I'm not really a big card guy, but the card industry is alive and it is very strong. And I notice that when I go to these shows, there's just tables and tables of card dealers. They're everywhere. And uh, it's still, right right now, I mean, I'm big in the game use uh, memorabilia, but cards, if you go to these shows, that's where it's at. That's where the traders are. That's where the big buyers are. So let's talk, I would, you know, just because there's a lot of people like us, like myself, who used to be in the baseball cards but now have kind of left. What's going on in, in the card industry right now, and what, what's big out there, and what are people collecting? You know, what I'm seeing lately, there, there's been uh, kind of a small resurgence in, in the hobby of, of baseball cards here over the last couple of years, and I think um, I think it's kind of twofold. It's credited to some top rookies in the last couple of years who have, who have come along. Aaron Judge just blew up the baseball card hobby two years ago or last year. Um, this year there's, you know, several hot rookies, Juan Soto at the nationals, um, Ronald Acuna down with the Braves. Um, the Yankees have, uh, Miguel Andahar and, uh, uh, Glaber Torres, former Cubs prospect. Um, so those guys have all kind of, they've become super hot. Um, and then I think another reason is guys our age are starting to feel nostalgic, um, whether they see an old set, you know, once you hit your thirties, you kind of, you know, you have more dispensable income, you go back to your youth and it's like, Hey, I remember that Juan uh, Jose Canseco rated rookie was a hundred dollars. And, you know, now it's 20 or 10. Um, you know, so I can go back and I can buy these cards that I couldn't when I was eight years old when they came out. Um, or they have kids who, you know, are getting to the age where they're starting to get into sports and it, takes them back to a time where they were that age in watching baseball and um, collecting baseball cards. So they buy them for their kids. So I think it's just kind of, um, you know, several factors going into it that, you know, nostalgia is kind of at, at a peak right now where whether it's movies or TV shows, things are coming back um, into popularity that, you know, were popular in the 80s and 90s. Did either of you guys, I'm probably dating myself a little bit here, I'm being, being the oldest one in the room, did either one of you guys ever collect a set by buying packs? You talked about buying like a yeah, complete set, right. but you know, back in the day, they didn't even have no. complete sets. You did buy packs. And that was the fun part of it. And, and then that, trading, and too. That's what, but that's a great question. And I was going to ask you on top of that, Bo, if you could answer uh, William's question, but... Right now, because I don't know, I'm asking you, and this could be a stupid question, but are people still buying individual packs of cards, or are they buying them like, has sets, or are they buying boxes of cards and opening up all the packages inside there? What, what you know, what, what's going on out there? Because I don't even know how this is working. Well, you know, that's that's kind of changed. Well, first, I'll answer uh, William's question. Um, I did buy packs to complete sets back. Um, I remember 89 tops, 90 tops, and 90 Fleer were. Um, three of the big sets that I collected. Um, and then I kind of, my collection, um, kind of changed whether it was collecting cubs or, or other things. Um, but the way 
people are buying now, it's it's changed somewhat because back in the the 80s and 90s, baseball card shops, hobby shops were just everywhere. Um, you know, I grew up uh, close to a town with like 10,000 people, and there were four or five baseball card shops in that small town. Um, and now you don't see that. I, I live in Madison, Wisconsin, 250, 300,000 people, and a flood just wiped out one of the hobby shops a couple months ago, but there's one card shop in this, you know, larger city. Um, so kind of how people are buying now, there's a lot of retail outlets, which have acquired, you know, there was even cards at, at Walmarts and targets back, you know, in the eighties and nineties, but now they've developed what's called a blaster box. Um, and it's basically seven or eight packs of tops, um, Bowman, what have you. And, uh, for 20 bucks, you get like eight packs in these retail blaster boxes. They still do have some, um, loose packs in, in targets and Walmarts, but kind of the popular thing in the retail sector is, is the blaster boxes where you get eight packs for 20 bucks. And, uh, you know, there's still hobby boxes, which are, you know, a complete box of unopened packs that are sold at, at hobby shops or online. So that's kind of where things are going as far as where things are at, as far as, how people are acquiring packs really aren't, um, you know, that's how we grew up. You know, we opened packs, but now it's basically you're opening boxes, whether it's, you know, the $20 box at Target or, or the, uh, you know, $80 box from a, from a card shop. See, I find that interesting because that's what I kind of thought because you don't see baseball packs like when you're checking out somewhere. You don't see a, a little box with you know, wax paper. Well, the cards, other but... thing is, and I know obviously inflation has changed everything, but... They're so expensive now. Like you used to be able to buy a pack for 25, 30 cents, you know, one right. pack. And now today, like the cheapest thing is probably $10 that you, like even at Walmart and Target, you know, it's it's tough to get things for for, you know, like the quarter you have in your pocket or whatever, like back in the day. Oh, yeah. You got you have to have a five, you know, five bucks at least to get a pack. But I, I would ask you this question, Bo. By the way, everybody, we're both Thompson. Uh, we'll talk about his uh, one million Cubs project here. But um, when you go into a Walmart, like for instance, I was just at Walmart uh, Target the other day, and I saw this pack of ca cards. It was a box. It was like called a blaster. Now I know what it's called, blaster, you know, box or whatever. And it was like eighty bucks, but it said guaranteed to have like a one auto inside. Um, is that I, obviously that's right now is where it's hot? Is uh, trying to get autographed cards that are uh, authenticated, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was probably, there's a couple products that, that you'll find in retail that, that do have those guarantees. Uh, tops fire is, is one of them, which is a retail only product. Um, and Bowman platinum is another. So those are, you know, a little more expensive because it, there's a guarantee that there's, you know, um, one or, or two autographs in a box. And that's kind of, you know, that's a big reason why the, you know, the boxes are, are a lot more where in 1989, you buy a box of, of tops for 20 bucks, you're going to get all what is considered base cards, which is just a, a common card, whether it's a rookie or, or, uh, you know, a SAR or a common. And now that, now that you have hobby boxes, they're 80 or a hundred or, or even more. Um, but you get guaranteed what they call hits where it's either a, um, autograph or it's a, a relic, um, which is a, a piece of Jersey or bat or base, um, so you have a little more incentive in, in buying those boxes. What are those cards? I mean, some, uh, cards come with multi autographs on there. Like there was a famous card that had, I think bias on there and 
like the up and comer top prospects, and there's three autographs on there. Those are those are pretty cool. What are, they, are, they, are those just straight up autograph cards, or there's a name designated for those cards where there's multiple autographs on one card? Um, those are just auto cards. Um, it kind of um, kind of depends on um, I guess what set it is, um, but. Yeah, those are autographs, and and some have different names. Um, whether you know, depending on which set it comes from, if it's just a, a regular tops issue, or they have a lot of different uh, um, tops. Tops has the 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 license for Major League Baseball, so only tops can produce um, sets that feature logos and, and team names. Um, but outs, you know, there's a you know hierarchy of tops, and then tops has a Bowman product and um, you know, different sets, you know, from tops, triple threads and, um, high tech and, and all these, you know, different, uh, different brands. Gotcha. That's no, that, that's interesting. Um, I did not know that about the uh, tops. So like you buy, what? that was the one question I was going to ask you, how many different card companies are out? Like when, when we were growing up, we talked about earlier, we had like the big three and then score, but how many different card companies are out there right now? Uh, right now, your main there's really only a few left. Um, Tops is your main one, um, and then Panini is probably would be the number two brand. Um, I thought that was that... the sandwich I had last night. Not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Panini has Panini owns the rights to the Don Russ brand and the Score brand. So those they're still Don Russ and, okay. and Score, and they're under the Panini umbrella. Um, and they do not have an official license. There's just one, um, and it's tops. Yeah, and then upper, yeah, and then upper deck is uh, Panini actually owns the license for NFL and NBA. And then I think hockey NHL goes under upper deck. So upper deck's still around, but they don't. They're definitely not as um as up there um like they were you know 25 years ago and then leaf is still around in a in a smaller um market as well so there's not as many as you might think then that sounds like there's really not then no there's not as far as um brands themselves go um there's not but you know underneath each you know your your don russ and score is still around but it's underneath the panini brand um, Bowman is under the tops brand. So they all have, you know, tops owns several of the, you know, former, um, brands and then Panini and, and leaf and upper deck. So we need to have you tell us about the project you're working on. Stu and I have this, um, spreadsheet that we have on our table here. And we were trying to run the numbers and figure out like, how is it humanly possible to get to a million? Now, neither one of us can count that high. So it was a <laughs> little bit of a struggle, but, uh, you know, uh, on a serious note, tell us what you're doing and what you're trying to do and, and why and all that kind of good stuff. Well, um, you know, I, I've accumulated um, a bunch of cards um, over the, you know, over several years. I've acquired collections off of Craigslist and, um, you know, garage sales, flea markets, auctions. And I got to a point where I just had over a million cards and most of them I don't want. And, uh, you know, I've done trades over the years where I'll trade 500 Red Sox cards for 500 Cubs cards. And when I buy new products, I, great, I always trade, pull the, the Cubs, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, I always pull the, the Cubs cards aside and, and, you know, stuff them away. And, you know, I thought, well, I have all these cards. You know, I might as well, you know, trade um, my million cards that I don't want for a million cards that I do want, which, which are Cubs. 
And, you know, I thought, you know, I can do trades um, through Facebook groups and, and on Twitter. But if I don't really have, you know, um, something to, to set me apart, um, it's going to take me a really long time to, to make these trades. And even when you do have a blog and, you know, a social media presence, it's going to take a long time. A million cards is, is, uh, is a lot of cards. So that's kind of where I, you know, I wanted to market it as the, the 1 million Cubs project just to get my name out faster, um, you know, to, to find collectors that, that are, you know, wanting to, wanting to trade. So it's, it's, it's been pretty successful so far in, in, in getting trades. I, I just ran some numbers. I've, I've done trades with 85 different people on Twitter alone. Um, and in a lot of those, we've done multiple trades, three or four trades. Well, that's pretty awesome. And, um, here's my question because back in the, I don't know, it was a couple, we were going to have you on a while back and it fell through, but, uh, I did the math. Is there even a million Cubs cards out there? Because I, I was looking at the Cubs roster from early 1900s, and I think I, I think I could be wrong about this, and I could make myself look like a dummy. And that number does sound low, but I think there's a right around 2,300 to 2,500 Cubs that are put, put on the Cubs uniform. So if we do yeah, the ma- math on that, is there even a million Cubs cards out there? <laughs> that's my question. There's probably not. Um, and so my collection... Um, but you're young, so that's duplicates. good, right? You're, oh, <laughs> right. oh, so you, so that was my question. So duplicates do count in your collection. Duplicates do count. Yep, okay, absolutely. gotcha. Okay, yeah, because I was always wondering that too. Are you counting duplicates? And then, but like you said, you're a young guy. How old are you again? Uh, Thirty-six. So this could be like a lifelong pro- uh, you project. Got, you got plenty of time. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I just got a trade the other day, and I. Uh, in the box, there were 58 um, of the same 1988 Donruss Sean Dunstan cards. Wow. <laughs> okay. So yeah, they definitely count. So you're logging these in because I've seen, I've, I've read your blog, I follow you on uh, Twitter. What else are you on? You're on Twitter. I know that. Uh, yep. Tell everybody uh, where they can find you at. So uh, somebody might have a bunch of Cubs cards and they want to just give them to you. How <laughs> they How do they find you? Um, on Twitter, I'm at One Million Cubs. Um, the One Million Cubs Project is also on Facebook. Um, let's see, uh, OneMillionCubs.net is the uh, the blog site, um, and from there, um, there's link to uh, my Gmail account as well. Now, all right, I got to ask you a question here. Stu just mentioned that you log all your cards. I try. Okay. <laughs> Do you, you know, have? I, do you have I your started, original million cards that you had logged? No, no. Okay. Um, so it's just the you know a cards? lot of the a lot of the newer stuff is is sorted by either team or um, by um, year and set, and uh, eventually I'm right now I'm in the early stages of sorting the Cubs themselves, and I'm going to do it by player last name. Um, so you know in the A's I have Paul Lassenmacher and Albert Almora, Jake Arrieta. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put those in, in large boxes by letter. And, uh, you know, once I, I get the box full, I'll, you know, start sorting them into, into player and then I'll log them. There's a website called trading card database, um, where you can, um, submit your collection. They have the checklists and, and, um, you can track how many cards you have and, um, you know, all that. So eventually I'll get to that point. So here's the big question. You got married last year or two years ago? Or was that two years ago? Sixteen. Uh, last year. Oh, last year. Okay. Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. You got married last year. 
When did you start One Million Cubs Project? Was that before or after you got married? Did she know about this before you got married? In other words, bring this on after a prenuptial with details in there. Yeah, yeah, she uh, she knew of my um, my sickness, my baseball card sickness before we um, we got engaged. So she uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of grown. so, uh, yeah, she's well aware. I started the, the, the project, um, right around Christmas last year. So the end of December is so it was kind after of when the, the wheels were in it was after so, yeah, it was where post-marriage. are you storing all these cards? That's my next question. Uh, I, I have a, cause that's a gotta be a lot room. of cards. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, we need a, a, a larger basement. Um, I do have a card room, um, that's, you know, completely full. And then adjacent to the card room is a, a closet that's probably, 15 feet by eight feet, which is completely um, jam packed with boxes about eight feet high <laughs> from oh, front to back. Um, so that's, that's kind of where the, you know, I'll, when I acquire large collections, I'll, I'll, you know, pull what I want and uh, you know, the, the good cards and uh, then I'll just kind of put them away and eventually I'll get around to, to sorting them. So. All right. I have a question, and that is, are you displaying any, or are you doing anything that allows you to enjoy the cards? Because I have probably, if I were to guess, 100,000, 200,000 cards in boxes, hopefully well-protected in an you know, like attic in the garage, protected from the weather and stuff. I haven't looked at it in 20 years. You know, like, <laughs> I could care less that I have them or not. You know, I tried to will them to my kids and they're, they're like they could care less so so i'll go I, I was getting physically nauseous thinking about going through them and trying to find all the cubs cards for you but you know i might take a swing at that but are you doing anything <laughs> to enjoy it like i'm sitting here right now in utopia as you know in club 400 and i'm you know getting lost looking at a base from wrigley field and stuff like that and everything is so you know well presented here and stuff like that do you do anything that you get to like enjoy your favorites or anything or are they all just boxed up? Well, you know, a lot of them are, are just boxed up. Some of the, the better cards, um, you know, I do have, you know, in my, my man cave, um, finished area of the basement, I do have, you know, a few shelving units. So, you know, I'll put on display some of the tobacco cards from the early 1900s. Um, some of my nicer Javier Baez cards, um, my oldest card is from 1887. It's an old judge of uh, Duke Farrell. So I have that on display. Um, and then I have a few um, on the walls. I have a few display cases where I've got a, um, a display of Javi Baez, um, a display of the 2016 Topps World Series Cubs set, um, and then some of the older cards from the um, 40s and 50s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. I was going to ask you... Um... With the with the cards, um, you've made eighty deals. You know, part of cl- in collecting, first of all, anything is you get into. You know, you meet a lot of interesting people that have the same hobbies as yourself. I'm sure you've met many awesome people like yourself who collect cards and so forth. You've made eighty deals. You met eighty people. What's your most one of your most most memorable trade that you ever made with anybody? Um, you know, I've in in I'll you know I'll preface that answer with that's kind of what I've been enjoying the most about this. You know, initially it was, I just want to get rid of a million cards so I can have a million cubs. But then I started making these trades and I started 
uh, meeting people on Twitter and, and corresponding with people and, and fellow collectors. And then, you know, I wanted, I want this done in five years. I want to get to a million cards in five years. Now I don't care because I'm having the journey is, is fun. Yeah, right. And now and that's what it's all about. And the, you know, in the, in the big scheme of things, you know, you got this hobby and you turned it into, and I know that you've inspired other card collectors to do the same. I saw somebody on Twitter. Like, I think I'm, a, I don't know if it was a Yankee fan or a Boston fan. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to collect a million Yankee cards or whatever. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the fun part. You know, it's, it, and now a million is just a number and people were asking, well, what are you going to do when you get to a million? Well, go for 2 million. I don't know. You know, I don't know. So it's, it's the journey that, uh, that, that has become the, the most fun. And, and that's what I'm enjoying the most about all this. So I met early on, and this was probably February, March. There was, uh, there was a guy on Twitter who posted a picture of, of 50 monster boxes and in a monster box is a large white box that can hold 5,000 cards. And somebody had posted, I, I want, all the Minnesota twins out of that box. And, uh, the guy said, well, it, he goes, I'm not, I'm not sorting them, but you can have them if you pick them up. So I'm like, Ooh. So I looked at the guy's profile and he's from Sterling, Illinois, which is about two hours from Madison. And, and I grew up, uh, about 30 minutes South of Sterling. So I reached out to him and I'm like, Hey, what do you want for, for all those monster boxes that, that you don't want? And he's like, just pick them up. Really? And I'm like, Oh, come on. So I, on a Sunday afternoon, I drove down to Sterling and, um, I'd actually pulled, he's a Cardinals fan. And I, I pulled a Harrison Bader autograph from tops and he reached out to me and, and said, Hey, what do you want for that card? And I'm like, call it even, you're going to give me all these cards, you know, I'll just give it to you. Um, so we've actually done three, three trades in person. I've drove down to Sterling. He gets these boxes from a card shop. He takes what he wants out of the boxes and, um, he doesn't want anything for him, but I always bring down, I went to the Pearl Jam concert at Wrigley and, uh, I picked him up a poster. Um, one trade, I took him down some new Glarus beer. Um, so I, I, I don't want to go in empty handed. I mean, the guy's being so nice to, right. to give me all these cards that, you know, I, I've got to give him something. So the, those are the fun stories that, that along the way that, uh, you develop these friendships with fellow collectors. I have one more question for you. Um, how much does the quality of the card? I know they're they're big into ratings today, like you know your Perfect Ten and and you know other types of companies that rate the cards and stuff like that. Is that a big factor in what you're doing, or are you just going for a million cards? I'm just going for a million cards, and it depends on on what it is. If it's a tobacco card. Um, that, that I'm looking to buy. Um, I want it at least authenticated. It doesn't have to be graded, but you know, there's so many really good reprints out there that can be, um, deceiving. So if it's, if it's something like that, that I'm going to put some money into, um, on a vintage card, I, I want it authenticated. Um, and there's some cards that I, I want in like, uh, PSA is one of the main graders and a PSA 10 is like the gem mint perfect card. So, there's a couple. I have a, a Chris Bryant rookie that's a, a, a PSA 10. Um, I have Ty Griffin. For some reason, I, I love Ty Griffin. Wow. As as a young kid, he had a 1989 Topps Future Stars card, and that was like my first favorite card. So um, I'm trying to acquire PSA 10s of Ty Griffin, which can be had for five, ten bucks. Um, so I have some of those, and you know, 
some cards I, I like the grade, but you know, overall, as long as it's, um, it's authenticated vintage, um, the grade doesn't really matter to me. You know, part of the cool thing about collecting these cards is seeing all the players that played for the Cubs. And I'm sure you have noticed that we've had a lot of sucky players on the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you go back to memory lane and be like, holy crap, I forgot we had this guy on the team, you know. Right. And, and that's the fun part. That's another fun part where I'm looking through cards and um, Vance Law was. I, Wait, I, he was loved, good. What are you talking about? He was good. He was an all star. He was an all star. But what I'm. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I but, just uh, I posted a picture of Vance Law. On the, I think it was the 87 or 88 team. Uh-huh. It, it, sh- on the, it had to do some uh, photoshopping because they showed him he was like cut. I, I don't know if you saw that p- picture I posted. Like, yes, I did. Yes, there's I no way that. he was that cut. You know, right, right. He's a but wimpy I, guy. I, I loved Vance a lot. He was an all star in I think '88, and he had those those big glasses. And I loved Vance Law, and he's on Twitter. And I, I, um, when I found him on Twitter, I'm like, oh man, one of my favorite Cubs from '88, '89 is is on Twitter. And he sent me a direct message and he goes, Hey, I've got a, a bunch of my old cards that companies gave me. He goes, do you want some? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So he sent me 10 autographed cards of him from, you know, 88, 89, 90. Oh, I think I saw with you post that. That's cool. Oh, that's that was really awesome. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, it's, it's some, and, and I didn't mean to, to follow up the, <laughs> the crappy players, but you know, it's, it's guys that you don't, remember or you do remember but it's like oh it's been so long since you know vance law wow it's been 30 years since he played um so yeah when you're when you're coming across paul ossenmacher is one that it it seems like i have thousands of paul ossenmacher cards for some reason (laughs) i mean we all remember when uh tuffy Rhodes was on pace to hit like 400 home runs (laughs) right (laughs) right i mean uh, he's got maybe one one year he was on the cubs that was it right Right, i think so yeah so Club 400 Nation, I want you guys to go in your attics, check in your closets, grab your baseball cards, bring them here to Club 400, and I'll make just sure. Just the Cubs. Bo, get just, them. Just the Cubs. Just yeah, the go Cubs through cards. them. Yeah, don't now, bring anything else. Don't forget either, Bo. Tell your wife that true love is helping you go through these cards and logging them in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think she'll buy that. <laughs> well, you can tell her that anyway. <laughs> Well, Bo, thanks a lot for coming on today. Uh, like I said, uh, hey, bring your cards here, and I'll make sure Bo gets them. And, uh, yeah, we'll have you back on when you hit a million. We'll, we'll bring out the Jägermeister, bring out the beer, and we'll have a big party. Hey, sounds good. I can't wait for the Christmas party. All right, everybody, check out Bo Thompson on Twitter, 1 Million Cards. He's got a big project going on. He's another unique and awesome Cub fan, and we were happy to have you on today. Let's go get him, Bo. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Now, the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain.